Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105 Through the Fan, and joining us today is Jordan Craig. She is with the Spay Neuter Network, and I am so interested in you because you guys have brought national attention to comfort animals, and primarily because a cat named Miss Meow Meow has gone viral. First of all, welcome to the show, Jordan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Before we get into all the things you do, and you guys do wonderful things, and I, I'm all about comfort animals. Tell us the story about Miss Meow Meow, because I think this is so funny, especially in this day and age of social media and platforms, that Miss Meow Meow struck a nerve. Oh, absolutely. I We met um, Brandon, Miss Meow Meow's owner. He reached out to us to surrender his pet to the Dallas Animal Services because he was, she kept having babies and he couldn't take it anymore. He couldn't have more babies. They kept finding him homes and she wanted to make sure that she could go to a place where she could get fixed. It, there are so many people like this that think the best thing to do when they don't feel like they can provide what their cat needs or their dog needs is to take them to the shelter. But luckily there are support structures in place so that we can keep pets that are very, very much loved with the people who love them and where the pets are comfortable. We were able to offer a voucher so that we could get Miss Meow Meow fixed. So there was no cost to the pet owner. Nice. And it, and it's, I think really what captured people's hearts is the adorable picture of his daughter with Miss Meow Meow. You can see the love, you can mm -hmm. see the comfort that Miss Meow Meow feels in that home. You can see the bond. And to think that that was almost severed, but like I said, thankfully, there are opportunities and programs so that people don't have to make that tough choice because we we understand times are hard mm -hmm. and we want to keep pets where they belong with their families. We're talking with Jordan Craig. She's with the Spay Neuter Network, SNN. And I think you guys are, are somewhat well known because literally for those who don't know, you've got different programs and partnerships over 16 counties, 36 cities providing free and affordable spay or neutering and essential wellness services for financially challenged pet owners. And you guys are nationally recognized with high quality, high volume. I mean, you got the expertise and you're here in Dallas and in Fort Worth. I'm absolutely impressed because first of all, let me go ahead and be totally transparent. I totally believe in comfort animals. My family, we have two cats, a dog, a rabbit, 
and a bearded dragon. And they all get along. And more importantly, I found out during the pandemic, they made everybody happy. Is that what you've you been finding out in your line of work? Oh, absolutely. I There are so many households. It It is now seven out of 10 households, they say, have a companion animal in their home, mm-hmm. which is, I think, an all-time high. It's more households than have kids in the home right now. So it's clearly, <laughs> I mean, it is important. It is a critical part of the family unit is the family pet um, or pets. I am much like you. I have cats and a dog. Tell us what I don't you got. have the the extra friends. I have two cats, mm-hmm. um, both, both foster fails and, and then another dog who she's getting a little bit up there. She's 11 years old now, mm-hmm. but I rescued her from a shelter 11 years ago. That, like I said, they, hey. they are just so comforting when you, you've had a challenging day or whatever you get home and they don't care. They just love you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there, there are studies that prove that it lowers your blood pressure. It absolutely improves your stress. It's they love you unconditionally and it also can help increase, you know, activity. You get home, you know, the dog needs to go out for a little bit, maybe sure. not when it's 105 degrees out, but <laughs> yeah, it, it just, it helps you keep moving. It helps people yeah, going for a walk, you know, engage. Yeah. And you say engage because literally if you're walking the dog or walking your pet, you may run across someone else who's, oh, that's a cute dog, or they might have a pet themselves. You just never know, and you actually wound up communicating with people you might not have ever met before or neighbors you hadn't seen in a minute. Absolutely. It builds connections. It builds lots of connections. And I, I'm going to say this because I'm going to, like I said, I'm completely transparent. I am allergic to cats. <laughs> We've got two cats. That's awesome. When I was yeah. growing up, I wasn't allergic to cats. I didn't dislike cats or love cats. I just, their cats were cats. I preferred a dog. But then when I got married, my wife had a cat that stayed with her mother and father. And we just visited the cat, and I would take some Zyrtec, and I'd be all right. Then we moved into a house that had cats on both sides of us. We had a dog. They had cats. I took my Zyrtec, and I was all right. Then my daughter found a cat that she she found and she loved this cat and she snuck the cat into the house then my <laughs> That's incredible. then my middle daughter she found a cat and she snuck the cat into the house so then we had like i said two cats to go along with a, a, a standard poodle and the bearded dragon and the bunny rabbit the thing that's so crazy about it i swear to god they all get along and i have to credit my wife because it's, it's like, it's not even real. They actually all hang out together. They all show up first thing in the morning to get fed. They know what to do. They get along. I can't even tell you, the bearded dragon is sometimes hugged up with a cat. I'm not <laughs> making this up. It's crazy. And then, It's nice warmth. <laughs> yes, and then the rabbit will be with the dog. I mean, and the dog and the, both of the cats. It's just absolutely amazing to me. So I got to, I got to, tell you some theories because you're the perfect person to talk to about this. I saw a bumper sticker years ago, and I want you to break this down because you're in this business. I saw a bumper sticker that described dogs and cats. And the bumper sticker said, dogs have masters and cats have staff. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me what that means to you. (laughs) Uh. The dogs are very loyal. They listen. They 
you know, you ask them to do something, they really want to please. Mm -hmm. They are, you know, eager to be what you want them and need them to be. The cats is uh, (laughs) happy to share the space with you, but they feel more like you're sharing the space with them. Yes, that's Uh, it. They kind of have a mind of their own. Now, they will do things, but they have a mind of their own. They do. They're very stubborn. Um, They actually... It's it's impressive, but cats know quite a few words though. It it is really crazy. Like they don't seem like they're always listening, but they they know what you're talking about. They just don't know that they care to respond. This but is what else I found. They're out. still very loyal. They're very loyal, but again, you you put it best. They kind of decide what they want to do. Like you may yep. open the door crack and say, Come on in. And then they'll say, Well, I might. They'll roll on the ground. Then they'll say, oh, okay, I'll come on in. The dog, oh, here I come. I'm in. I'm in. Thank you for letting me in. <laughs> yep. Yep. And really proud and wants praise and the cat's not even sure. Um, <laughs> it's, it is it is really funny that you say that your your children, uh, the way they brought the cats into the house, because that's kind of what I did as a is kid. That right? I, uh, I found one during soccer practice. The cat kept chasing the soccer ball around. So I put her in my soccer bag and took her home. Look out. And everybody (laughs) was with us for 18 years. My goodness. That's how long my wife's cat lived. Coco, the cat Mm -hmm. lived for 18 years and they swore Coco, the cat could open the door. And I'm like, that cat does not have a thumb. They said Coco can open the door. I don't know how Coco does Those have used the door handle. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you've seen that or you know about stuff like that with this cat? I've. I've seen cats do, depending on what kind of door handle you have. Absolutely. They're really smart. They're very smart and they're very athletic. I found this out watching Marvel comics that cats, they can do anything. That's why they have nine lives. I guess they they know how to flip. They they can jump on stuff. They're, They're just really, I don't know. They get the most out of their athleticism out of a lot of animals. And again, I'm allergic they, to they cats. They really are. They're teeny, they're teeny tiny panthers. You know, yeah. Their their bigger cousins are these elite force things, and they're just tinier packages of that. Yeah. Well, again, we're talking about comfort animals, cats, dogs, any kind of pet you might have. Uh, the Spay Neuter Network, you guys' mission is to eliminate pet overpopulation through the Spay Neuter while empowering communities to care responsibly for their dogs and cats. With that being said, how do you accomplish this? And what are the things you look for to kind of help people out? The number one thing, yeah, the number one thing we try to do is make ourselves accessible for the spay-neuter surgery and for other wellness care. Mm -hmm. It is. There are so many pockets of communities and, and here in DFW, no, no different that there are no access to vet care, that there have historically not been services available. And it's really hard getting across Dallas during rush hour in the morning makes it very difficult to get an appointment at certain places in town. I know when I first moved to town to try to find a vet, because I live in the Oak Cliff area, I had to cross 30 to find a vet that could take me in because some, there were one or two below 30, but they weren't accepting new patients at that time. And it is very challenging. So accessibility and availability of appointments is what we strive for. There is such a desire and a need. The communities, we've been telling them, you know, since the Bob Barker area, spay and neuter your pets. And people know that. And they do look 
reach out and we want to make sure that we are available to them and also that our costs are not prohibitive to them getting the services done and getting grant funds and mm -hmm. donations to help make sure we can keep those costs low. Um, to make ourselves very, very accessible, in addition to having the different clinics located in veterinary deserts, we also have a robust transport program. It's basically a bus ride for your pet going to get surgery. Okay. Every day we have different transport locations across the Metroplex. Sometimes we go almost all the way down to Waco. Sometimes we go all the way up to Sherman um, to try to reach people that really need our services and we pick up in the morning, they get surgery at our clinic, and then we take them back home in the afternoon. And this makes it, again, we can reach more people. And also, even if you're just across town, you don't have to get up at six to stand in line to cross town to, you know, bring your animal in for surgery. You right. can go to the smaller bus stop, basically. Um, so that's another program that we have to really increase our bandwidth. And that's how we reach those 16 counties. Because... We, we really do. We try to reach everywhere. There's Texas is huge. It is. Um, and we go as far as we can because the need is large right now. It really is. Services. I'm going to give you guys a lot of credit, too, because your website is absolutely amazing. It's so easy to follow. You can, got, you can just go on your website and just basically go down the rabbit hole and discover so many different things. The website, of course, is spayneuternetwork.org. And I see here you guys last year alone served 35,000 pets, 17,676 yep. dogs and cats have been spayed or neutered, 10,267 dogs and cats received affordable vaccines and wellnesses in 2022, 5,457 pets were served throughout the Pet Support and Rescue or a Resource Center, and this year the numbers are looking really healthy, uh, 11,692 spays neutered, and this is only July, 5,646 vaccines and wellness, and 3,614 pets throughout the PSRC. I am very impressed. You guys stay busy. We do. We are always on the move. We are always trying to be there. When people ask us to come out for events or to come to their area, we do the best we can to do that. Um, we we want to be there to support these communities. We You have to go to the people a lot of times to bring those services. And by the way, you, you've got really cute pictures of all the different pets. Everybody loves, I mean, if you just go online to any platform, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, especially Instagram or TikTok, you see all these cat, cute cat pictures, a cute doggy or puppy pictures. You guys have got the really cute pets on your, at your site, but I also see something also really cool. It looks like a food truck, but it's actually one of your vehicles. And it's huge. It says helping your pets, helping our communities, and it's a really nice big truck. Can you talk about that for a little bit? That is our mobile animal surgical hospital. Ah. So that is, we literally take that to places, park in parking lots, and do surgery in the community. Wow. We call it our MASH unit. Wow. Um, and we, we try to get it out two to three times a month. It's, it's, it's very impressive. It looks warm and comforting, too. Again, from, if you just glance at it, you say, well, that's a, a nice food truck or that's a nice, you know, mobile library or something. It is a really, mm -hmm. really nice looking vehicle. You guys spend some money. And I guess when people know it's there, I mean, it's very comforting to know that you've got people in there that can help you and your pet. 
and that it's it's really a cool vehicle. No, we we absolutely our whole fleet. So between the surgical one and then we have a box truck that we we use for transport for our bigger transports, and we have the smaller transit vans as well. We we have a fleet of uh, what is it five, including the big mobile bus. My goodness, my goodness! You know, you mentioned you lived in Oak Cliff. I lived in Oak Cliff like thirteen years, but I also lived in Uptown before that when I was single. And I remember we had a homeowners association meeting one evening. And they said, someone brought up, we've got to do something about these cats that are just roaming the streets here in Uptown. There's just too many strays. And then somebody said, do you have any problems with mice and rats? And she said, no. He said, thank you. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) I only bring that up because I know you want to handle the population but there is something to be said for the balance or what do they say on the Lion King, the cycle of life, the circle of life? The circle of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, um, we are all about supporting the community cat or free roaming cat populations that live in our community. There mm-hmm. are some that are a little too robust. You say um, robust. And we hold, need to get... hold up, hold up. You say robust. You're talking about the numbers of uh, stray cats. Yes. I got to bring this up right now. I saw when I was in Uptown, I'm not making this up because you were talking about some of these cats are like baby panthers. I saw uh-huh. a couple of the most muscular cats. They look like tigers. They were walking down the street like, yeah, we own this. And I'm like, look at these. They're like, they escaped from the zoo. They were, they were that <laughs> muscular. I'm like, what do they eat? They must just go in the trash cans or something. But I was impressed. That's all I can say. I, I was not afraid of them. I was just like, wow, that's a tiger, a mini tiger. So I, I know what you're saying about some of the areas are robust. Go ahead. But but some some like that are doing very, very well. And yeah. so it's really important to help the community be available for spay and neuter and vaccinations. We do um, uh, TNR, trap, neuter, return, mm-hmm. so that we make sure that they are not adding to the population but continue to thrive where they exist and by fixing the population that's there you stabilize it for years and years we're talking since i don't know probably the 40s animal control agencies would do catch and euthanasia Mm. and guess what we still have a cat problem so and this is across the country so over the last few decades tnr has really picked up we're continuing to find new ways to do it. We've actually started a new targeted TNR program where we are using data from the Dallas Animal Services, what, uh, looking at their kitten intakes as well as cat complaint calls mm-hmm. to understand where the biggest areas of trouble are in the city. And we're working in those areas to try to get the TNR focused block by block to make sure we can make a real impact on what's entering the community shelters. This is what's so nice about your website as well. I'm looking at it right now while you're speaking and you guys basically have a GPS map and it shows all the transport pickup locations. So if you're in the North Texas area, you can see the different locations that might be near you where SNN can come and help out. Absolutely. And we try to keep those transports very common. So if you're, you see that, Hey, you've already passed for the second Tuesday of the month. We typically will come back the second Tuesday of next month, too. So we try to keep those pretty regular so you know when service areas are going to be available to you. You guys are just 
just amazing. In fact, I'm looking at one of the accolades. Again, I'm enjoying talking to you while I'm looking at the website. It is just outstanding. You guys got the Best Friends Lifesaving Award uh, a couple of years ago for Collective Impact, and it was presented to Spain Neuter Network. I'm, I'm sure that was a very prideful thing, and it's kind of a recognition of, of, of the great work that you do. Oh, we were absolutely honored. And that was for our Pet Support and Resource Center. And that's that's where we met Brandon and Miss Meow Meow. It's that okay. program that gets to touch our uh, pet owners that are looking for help and to get them those resources so that surrender is not the ultimate way that the pet has to go. Right, exactly. So that is that program. And we've been doing that since April of 2020. Um, and last year, we, we helped more than 5,000 animals through that program were on track for probably more than 6,000 this year. Okay. So we were talking about cats a little bit. And one thing about cats, the strays in particular, they're athletic and they can jump and they can run and they usually just run away and you have to track them down and catch them and help them out. What about the dogs, especially the ones that want to stand their ground when they say, Oh, we got a couple of stray dogs in the neighborhood. We need your help. How tough is it to quote unquote, take care and help out a dog that's afraid. Helping a fearful dog, you want to use caution. Mm -hmm. A lot of times it is that they either think where they are is their territory. They don't really understand where their fence and property line ends. That's very, very common. Or they have had limited handling. Mm -hmm. And so they're fearful of strangers or they're fearful of people in general. So if, if you don't have experience with a fearful or dog that's kind of posturing in an aggressive manner, I wouldn't encourage you to try to engage. There are experts out there in our community that you can reach out to. We do try to list a lot of different resources and education materials on our website as well. Um, but when you see something like that, I recommend people call 311 so that the city knows where they're seeing problems. Mm -hmm. There is a service call where you can report a loose aggressive animal and that way they can go out there and see what's going on and try to help. Um, the best thing to do is not to run away. Um, think about it. That's like a fun game of chase. Oh yeah. So they the best thing playing. is to, yes. So it can be, and it's scary. It definitely is scary to get chased by a dog. Um, so you want to slowly move out of the situation. If you can, you can try to talk to the dog. Tell them to, you know, sit, go. Mm -hmm. A lot of dogs understand. Again, you know what? Lots of you language, know what? Lots of words. That's, that's huge what you're saying there because sometimes people forget they may be a, a dog that's loose, but they might actually know some instructions. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. My dog and I, it was a couple of years ago now, we're walking and this big shepherd started coming up towards us. And I, I just stopped and I called pretty loudly and told her to sit. I could tell it was a her. She had a pink collar, at least mm -hmm. I'm guessing. And and she sat right there in the middle of the road. Wow. And I and and I said, stay. And I said, go home. And I quickly, you know, backed up as quickly as I could without mm -hmm. making it look like a fun game. But she listened. And you can tell not every dog is going to respond that way. So you just want to kind of, like I said, slowly back out of the space. Um, but it definitely it's worth a try. That is excellent advice because a lot of people don't think that way. And also you know, there might be people listening to us right now on a walk with their pet and they might not even think I got to be prepared for those kind of situations. And so you literally just got to wrap your mind around, okay, they might be thinking it's a game if I run away. And they also might be smart enough to know how to sit or stay or you ever do a, like have them throw a bone or something or throw something and have them chase it. And then you make your getaway. 
I mean, are you are you, are you almost smart enough to think that way as well? I'm just trying to be prepared. Um, I I can't say I've done that in the past. I don't always walk with treats on me. Again, my dog is 11 at this point. She's she's pretty well mannered on our walks. Yeah. Um, but but yes, that is something you could try. Throw a treat. I don't know. Once they know you have food, oh, they'll come back that, again. Yeah. Yeah. You better have I would a car see close if you by. can get yourself out of the space. And mm. you know, and if if you don't feel like you can walk away, you, you can always shout for help. People are around in your community, different things like that, but the more you stand kind of like a tree, the better. Mm-hmm. If a tree or a rock is what they say to do. So if they actually start any kind of attack, you want to become like a rock to protect your vitals. You want to protect what's underneath you and your arms and your legs. Yes. So you tuck everything under you. Yeah. Does SNN have any kind of a program where people can adopt a pet? We do not. We are not an adoption agency. Mm-hmm. We do partner with a lot of shelters and rescue partners that are adoption agencies. Um, and we often share their information out there, but we make sure that those animals get spayed and neutered so that they can move through the rescue system successfully. You say you moved to uh, Texas area. Where are you from originally? I am originally from Indiana. Okay. And, I grew up around Indianapolis. And what brought you down to Texas and, and, and how you wound up working with SNM? Because I always love those stories. I moved to Texas because I was sick of winter. And again, <laughs> I know this is funny when it's 105 degrees outside, but I would take yeah. this over winter any day. Um, and I, I originally, I thought I was going to work with wildlife. That okay. was my goal. Mm-hmm. But when I moved to Texas, I put in my resume with a couple different places and um, a member of the board from uh, the Austin Zoo said, I don't have a position at the zoo, but I do at this little shelter in Kyle, Texas. At the time, we lived in Austin. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. And so that started my companion animal career. And from there, I worked in animal shelters, oh, for about 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And I came up to Dallas in 2018 and worked at Dallas Animal Services um, for several years. And one of our best partners was Spay Neuter Network. And when they approached me to see if I would be interested in coming from the shelter world to run Spay Neuter Network, I was thrilled. I thought it was a great opportunity. We partner with Dallas Animal Services all the time. And I wanted to start being able to make more of an impact directly in the community before the animals reach the shelter system mm-hmm. and prevent as much as I could, because I think that is the key to our real long-term life-saving success. I truly believe in our mission and our vision that we are going to be able to truly solve this problem through spay and neuter, because we do not want to continue to see euthanasia in shelters, at least for space. Yeah. And the fact that you guys do such a great job with it, and I just absolutely, I'm, I'm totally in love with the website. I'm seriously, if you are a pet owner, if you have comfort animals, you've got to check out spayneuternetwork.org. And and you you also have a great network of, of partners, uh, foundations that help keep the cost low for communities that need help with their pets or, you know, some strays in the neighborhood. And I mean, I just think it's a, a, a absolutely wonderful concept, especially for those who want to make donations to the whole nine yards. Is there any particular process or is there a way that anybody wanted to volunteer or partner with you? Because you just never know who's listening, Jordan. 
Everything is there on our website. We have a page for donation. We have a page for volunteer. Please, 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 we're trying to grow our volunteer program. So if you're interested in helping us at the clinics or helping get our word out at different events, please sign up. We would love to get you on board. And and like you said, these services are available because foundations and donations continue to come in. So every little bit helps. We have an amazing opportunity with the people coming and getting our services. We call it our Spay It Forward donations. Lots of people will give $5, $10 at the time that they are here getting the low-cost services so that then that can continue to go towards more people in the continuance of our mission. So all of that information is on our website and available. Okay, I have to ask you this because we've been primarily talking about cats and dogs. Do you provide the services of taking care of rabbits or bearded dragons or any other wildlife? <laughs> we I had we do not. We do not. Um uh, Rabbit surgery is a little bit complicated. Not every vet loves to do that. Um, <laughs> it is it is a little more challenging. So we haven't tackled that or bearded dragons. I have never heard of any spay neuter for bearded dragons personally. <sighs> yeah, um, I don't think they're out of control <laughs> yet. But I did have to ask just in case. Yeah. Yep. We we are cat and dog focused, but okay. we are also just very big animal lovers. So if anyone has questions about any companion animals, we'll do the best we can to support you. Jordan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We're going to have to check back in with you maybe later this fall or maybe this winter when uh, it's not 105 degrees out and we can talk about some of the other things that you do. And again, how many counties do you guys cover? Like 16. 16. Wow. We earlier this year, we expanded a clinic to San Antonio. So, Mm. yep. That's absolutely (laughs) amazing. Very impressive. And again, SNN is the Spay Neuter Network. And if you need any help, and the price is usually right, it's some kind of way, it always works out, check them out at spayneuternetwork.org. Jordan Craig, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And joining us right now is the CEO of Dallas Casa, because guess what, everybody? It is that time of the year. We're in the middle of the Parade of Playhouses at North Park Center. Kathleen, how you doing? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure having you on, and it's always a pleasure to talk about what's the big fundraiser you guys do the month of July in the summertime, and is the absolutely beautiful parade of playhouses in the North Park Center. These little playhouses, like I said, there's the kid size. They're absolutely amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about what they look like and how long it's going to last this summer? Absolutely. It's an extraordinary year for our parade. So this is our 28th year. And we have 13 adorable playhouses. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Plus two special items that are being raffled off as well. A $1,000 gift card from North Park and then a Luka Doncic prize package with a signed jersey and photo nice. and basketball and four tickets to the opener for the Dallas Mavericks. It just, it doesn't get any better than that. So we're um, super excited about the playhouses. We hope that you'll come out and beat the heat in Dallas and uh, see these uh, amazing creations. We have everything from um, spaceships mm-hmm. to movie theaters. Um, we have uh, cottages, um, just an, an amazing collection of, of creations that, uh, yeah, I, I can't pick a favorite. I, I, I love them all. We have a Hobbit house um, that is absolutely adorable, mm. a caddy shack where you can golf and putt. And it's, uh, I tell you what, our builders and designers just outdid themselves this year. You know what? There's even a playhouse that looks like a Dallas Mavericks shoe. It looks like a player's shoe. I mean, the, the the designers of these playhouses are absolutely amazing. In fact, they are work, works of art, but they're kid-friendly. I mean, when you see them, it's like, wow, I wish I had one of those when I was growing up. Now, and these are built to last for generations. I mean, they really are, um, you know, very, very sturdy. We have a, a yellow submarine with kind of a Beatles thing oh, yeah. going on. We and, all uh, live in a yellow submarine. Oh, you yeah. got it. That's the same one. So um, we really hope that folks will will come out in person and see them uh, in this amazing venue. North Park has been hosting this event um, for all 28 years, and uh, they are so invested in the success of this event and in the mission of Dallas Casa. So we're very, very grateful to them. This is what's amazing. North Park in the wintertime, they'll have the different trains And in the summertime, when everybody really wants to stay inside or go to a mall or go just shopping indoors, you've got the parade of playhouses. And it's absolutely beautiful. Can you talk about how it came up? Who came up with the idea? I mean, it's a great support system for the Dallas Casa. But can you talk about how whoever came up with the idea? And it's been going, like you said, 28 years strong. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to give credit to uh, our, our creator of this event, and it was uh, Dave Cronkey uh, with Plot Twist Creativity. He um, came up with this idea uh, back 28 years ago, and you know it, it's significant because of the way it ties into what we want for children. You know, we're all about protecting children and restoring mm-hmm. childhood, and that's really the theme of this event is that we want children to have safe places to live and, and to grow up and thrive. And this uh, event is almost like a, like a proxy or, you know, symbol of what we want for children, because we don't take photos of our kids who Mm -hmm. are in foster care for obvious reasons. And so this event is so photogenic. And so um, fortunately it, it attracts a lot of attention um, for media. And, and that's why, honestly, the main purpose of this event is to raise awareness of the opportunity to become a Dallas CASA, a, a court-appointed special advocate, a volunteer who's appointed by our courts 
uh, to be a voice for a child during just a, a terribly uncertain and frightening time. So we, we love how the playhouses represent what we want for our kids. It's very creative. And like you said, it's a, a really good way to introduce what Dallas Casa does. It's like, okay, you're at the mall. You can see the playhouses and then, oh, guess what? Oh, wow, I didn't know. Or, you know what, I've always thought about working with, you know, foster care some kind of way. Can you talk about how Dallas Casa, and again, we've I've had you on the show before, Kathleen, and you're just absolutely awesome. You guys train and supervise community members to serve as advocates for children who've experienced abuse or neglect or, you know, living in protective care with the state. Can you talk about how, you know, you guys are able to get that done and get people involved like that. Well, it's really just such a testimony to the, the strength and the commitment of this community. There are over 900 independent CASA programs around the country. And the, the Dallas CASA program actually serves more children with volunteer advocates than any of those 900 programs. And so that is really a distinction for this community because you can't do that without committed individuals volunteering their time, um, bringing their heart and their passion and their dedication um, to this, this really incredibly um, impactful work. And so uh, we had um, you know more than 1,300 uh, volunteer advocates assigned mm-hmm. to serve more than 2,600 children um, from Dallas County last year. And, and those, you know, those numbers, are extraordinary. There's no other large urban program in the country that's able to accept appointments from the courts to 100% of our child welfare cases. And again, that's that's all about the resources this community makes available and uh, the volunteers who are willing to step up and really, you know, come out of their comfort zone and um, you know take what you know, normally starts as, as concern and passion and, and outrage for, you know, the victimization of children. And they turn that into action um, and, you know, mm-hmm. go through vigorous training and, uh, of course, um, you know, background checks and, and uh, different screenings. Um, and they come into this role and they have so much more depth and bandwidth to bring to this role than any of the other stakeholders because they are appointed to one case at a time and can really focus their attention on what are the individual circumstances of this child? What does this child need? What kinds of services, educational assessments, therapy, so that the judges can make the very best decisions possible that can help a child recover from trauma. This is so amazing that the work that you do is so quiet. And I say quiet because, you know, you have the privacy for the children and the families, of course, but all of the advocates that you guys use and the volunteers that take part, they they do this out of compassion, love, empathy, but they do it from their heart and they do it with not a lot of media attention, even though you get the attention and that helps out with your your, your partners and, 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 and getting more and more people involved. Can you talk about the types of people that wind up being advocates for you? Well, that's a great question. So there really isn't any single profile of a CASA volunteer. I always like to emphasize that you don't need any kind of uh, legal training mm-hmm. or um, background in social work 
um, to be just an incredible advocate for children. Mm -hmm. And so it it takes a lot of skills, of perseverance, of patience. It's a system that moves slowly. And you may not always think it's quite as responsive as you'd like it to be. But that's why a child needs an advocate. Because, you know, you want to have that that constant in the life of a child at a time when so much is changing. They'll change foster care placements. Mm-hmm. Um, their uh, CPS caseworker may change. Mm-hmm. Therapists may change. They've changed schools, even school districts. Oh, yeah. So you want that one grown up who will stay with the child throughout. So it really does. I think if you had to pick out some characteristics, obviously a huge heart but also a, um, you know, a patience and perseverance. Can you talk about maybe you have a story here or there about someone who was long-term in the child's life and how, you know, it had a happy ending or the twists and turns happened in a certain way and things got resolved because Dallas Casa was involved or that casework, not the caseworker, but the advocate was involved? Well, I... There's so many stories sure. to choose from, but one that that I really, really love uh, involved a child who came into foster care as an infant. Um, parents had substance abuse issues that they were not able to overcome. And at the time that he came into care, um, there weren't any relatives who could take the child in um, either temporarily or permanently. When the child first came in the system, we were not serving 100% of the kids, so we were not initially um, appointed. But then later on in his early teens, we were appointed. And we actually, the volunteer advocate, did some research and, and looked back at that family tree that didn't have any candidates at the time he came into care. But here he is, he's in his teens now, mm-hmm. and it turns out his maternal grandparents who actually themselves had substance abuse issues back when he came into protective care were in full recovery. They'd been sober for 10 years and they've been looking for their grandson. And so this volunteer advocate was able to reach out and make contact with those grandparents. They started out with just short visits and, you know, an overnight stay here and then. And, you know, before he turned 16, um, they adopted their grandson. And it has just made a world of difference for this child. He had so many different placements in his young life, moving from place to place, had behavioral issues. And he honestly just turned the corner when he had that sense of belonging, that that family mm-hmm. was there for him. And he is thriving. He just got his driver's license. So we're super excited about that story in particular. See, that's what that's what the differences are. That's This is what makes people care. I mean, sometimes, you know, you feel like I can't make a difference or, I, you know, I'm, or what if I do something and, and it really doesn't go all the way to the kids. It just gets caught up in paperwork, whether it's financial help or or just their time. And like you hear stories like that and you know that you can make a difference. And I, I can't say enough about what you do. This this is just absolutely amazing. We're talking with Kathleen Lavelle. She is the CEO of Dallas Casa and the organization has been around how many years? We we talked about the Playhouse is 28 years, but Dallas Casa. So we have been around for 43 years. This program, the model was started in um, Washington state 
And then after it launched and, and we saw what the impact of that program was, three pilots were started elsewhere in the United States. And, and Dallas was one of those three pilots. We're very proud of being able to emulate that model from another state and um, and really run with it. And so, yeah, we've been around for more than four decades. And um, it's uh, just been such an honor to serve the community in this way. Fantastic. And how long have you been involved with Dallas Casa? So I came in as a board member. I was a, a practicing attorney and uh, I served as a board member starting in 2002 and became um, board chair in 2006 and then came into this role, transitioned into nonprofit management in 2014. So I just had my ninth anniversary and I cannot believe it. So uh, Congratulations. it has been just an extraordinary opportunity to to really, um, you know, find new purpose in what you do every day. And uh, it's just such a, a privilege to see the work of our amazing volunteer advocates. And we have an extraordinary staff at Dallas Casa, of, you know, long tenured professionals who are just so committed to children and families. It's an, it's an amazing uh, organization. And we mentioned the families but sometimes the volunteers actually are helpful in court. I'm only bringing this up because we've got listeners who may have a legal background. We have listeners who may be attorneys or, or lawyers. Can you talk about, even if you don't have that particular skill, where you might be able to help on the court side of things? So all of our volunteers are involved in the court side. Mm-hmm. And so we're not involved as attorneys, although I have to tell you, attorneys make fabulous volunteer advocates for us. But it's a um, so our role is is not as the attorney. The child has an attorney. Okay. The parents have attorneys, um, and so our role is different. What what we are assigned to do and um, embrace is is that ability to to make a caring connection with the child, and then also to relate to the court. As I mentioned, the individual circumstances of a child, so that they can make decisions that are not generalized. Um, but that are really responsive to the needs of a particular child. So, so I don't, um, you know, you don't equate it with being a, the legal representative um, mm-hmm. for any of the parties, but instead um, there's something in the law that we call a special master that goes out and gathers information for the judge so that they can make the best decisions possible. And I think that's a little bit closer to what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we're that objective um, you know, stakeholder who um, wants nothing but what is best for that child. I know that the uh, child welfare system is strained. How long has it been strained? Is there any significant drop in in the cases or they just keep getting bigger and bigger? I'm just trying to figure out how, how tough the battle is. I know it is. Personally, I know the different people involved it's part of their heart. You know, they're very empathetic, but I'm just wondering, and I know, you know, Dallas Casa makes a difference, but I'm just wondering overall, you know, what's it like for the children? So another, another great question you know, child welfare is so complicated mm-hmm. and we see such uh, tremendous swings, changes in the direction of the child welfare system. And so, what has been happening over the last you know, five years is that um, there has been an effort primarily by parents' rights groups and, and others 
to um, raise the standard uh, required to be met in order to have a child be removed from home and come into the foster care system. And believe me, none of us wants a single child right. to come into foster care unless it's absolutely necessary for their safety mm -hmm. and well-being. But what happened a couple sessions ago in the legislature was they changed the standard to a showing of immediate danger and um, a showing of blatant disregard by the, the caretaker. And so what, what happened is that even though the reports of suspected child abuse have actually risen over those five years, uh, the number of children coming into care has actually dramatically declined. Mm -hmm. And like I said, that would be great news if it meant that we had you know less abuse, mm -hmm. less neglect, mm -hmm. less medical neglect. That is not the case. The kids we see coming into care are um, more traumatized, have suffered longer injuries and um, you know adverse conditions. Uh, than we've ever seen. And so it's a yeah, it's a really critical time when um, we hope to bring more focus to the fact that we need to be protective of children and we need to be supportive of families. the The idea that you would shrink the child welfare system is um, is laudable. You know, you'd be excited to see that happening if it was being matched by an increase in support yeah. for families that are struggling, families yeah. that have mental health issues, um, families that, you know, have, um, have issues with, with addiction. Because mm -hmm. um, those are, you know, common factors that come into play when we talk about um, uh, child victims of, of abuse and neglect. So I wish, I wish we did more for our families because it is, you know, your very best outcome is that a child does stay with their family or their return to their family. And um, that, you know, that really can't be accomplished with the well-being of the child in mind unless we have those wraparound support systems for parents. You know, you, you said that so well because it is very complicated and that's why it helps if there's a Dallas CASA involved because literally the the caseworkers in the system they don't want the kids caught up in the system they don't want to take the kids away from their families but the families aren't traditional families like back in the 20th century i mean is you know the the kids who are involved their their parents might be teenagers their parents may be one parent household they might be being raised by the grandparents or like you said there may be some mental uh issues some mental awareness problems that going on on in the household or there maybe even uh like you said, drug abuse. And it's not just, quote, unquote, uh, stereotypical urban area drug abuse. It could be the opioid crisis that's impacted all over America in smaller communities. So there's individual situations that require, especially with children, individual care. And that's why I'm so glad that you are there, you guys with Dallas Casa. Can you talk a little bit about how you are able to find out about a, a child situation is it something that the, the courts tell you about or do the families tell you about? How do people reach out and say, you know, we need Dallas Casa to help this little kid? So so we're able to be appointed to 100% of the cases. And that, uh, again, is um, because of the strength of this community that we live in and the generosity and the commitment to children. And so um, we are you know, in, in most instances, just automatically appointed um, to a child's case. In terms 
of how we learn about the child and what their challenges may be and what mm-hmm. their needs may be, our court order actually gives us access um, to the CPS file, to mm-hmm. the history. Um, it also allows us to reach out to teachers and counselors. Sure. And it's frequently our amazing educators who will recognize a change in behavior of a child. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the ways that we stay in touch with now that we have this child in protective care. Um, are they feeling safe? Are there any issues where they, you know, they feel in in any way threatened or intimidated by their circumstances? And so that's a, a really important connection that we have with schools. Um, we will frequently go to appointments, doctor's appointment, therapy appointments with the foster parents or the the relatives who have what we call kinship care of the of the child so that we can help. You know, you go to a medical appointment, sometimes you sort of hear what's said mm-hmm. and and so much is difficult to process because it may be new and unfamiliar. So we find frequently that if, if we're able to go with the with the relative or with the foster parent, we can help them afterwards kind of process that information and make sure that whatever guidance was given uh, to uh, the, the family member or the foster parent that they're able to follow through. You know what? What you do is so rewarding, but it's it's so important. And I think nowadays, especially with kids coming off of this side of the pandemic, a lot of them, you brought up the educators who are seriously, I put them up there with the first responders and, and doctors and, and, and nurses and hospital workers because they help so many people during that trying time, especially kids who are learning virtually. And I know that there were a lot of kids because they were separated from their friends or they didn't know what was going to happen next or they didn't know if the pandemic was going to change life for them forever. How much are you guys aware of kids who are impacted with mental wellness, just being relaxed, not stressed or, or you know what I'm saying, the, the things that typically didn't bother kids 15, 20 years ago? Well, you know, the the pandemic obviously had a huge impact on all of our youth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the if they were feeling, you know, slightly isolated before the pandemic, um, that was aggravated um, by the circumstances of, of being virtual, not being in person. Mm-hmm. So we definitely have seen the impact on on kids, uh, particularly teenagers. And, um, you know, that's something that you know, we hope the entire community can step up and um, and and really expand the access to to mental health services um, to help our kids through. You know, what's just a really difficult time. I think you know we still are seeing some struggles um, even even now that school is back in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 really true. I, I call it surgery. You really have to have a a feel for it. You, it's not just cookie cutter and everything's the same. Every kid's the same. Every situation is the same. You really have to, you know, actually pay attention and work it, work through certain issues that a lot of people never have any idea of what's going on. In, in fact, I even throw in social media, the stress of that or, and where it used to be just bullying in your school or bullying in your neighborhood that you had to worry about. And now kids are, you know, they're, getting bullied online by people who are not necessarily are their age. I mean, there's, there's so many things that impact kids that people really don't even think about. 
And you guys are right there to help ease things along, let alone try to keep them from being tossed away. And that's just it. You know, we have so many circumstances where a, a child essentially, you know, gives up on themselves. Right. And, you know, that is, there are so many risks to being, particularly in long-term foster care, I mean, there's a higher risk that you're going to exit, you know, to homelessness, food insecurity, mm-hmm. incarceration, substance abuse, even human trafficking. And mm-hmm. so what, what we try to do is intervene and, and, and convince a child that they do have possibilities, that they're yes. not just the sum of their challenging circumstances, that that there are, you know, potentials out there that can be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And so you know, that's, a, a I think, a, a large part of what our volunteer advocates do is, is convince a child not to give up on themselves. And that's so important. It's just a matter of, you know, trying to be a greater influence over the negative influences and allowing the kids to realize, guess what? You can change things. You know, one of my favorite sayings growing up, Kathleen, was uh, a quote said, uh, some people see things as they are and ask why. I dream things that never were and ask why not. It, it's, just a, it's just the approach. It's the approach in knowing how to give people hope. And letting them know you believe in them. I mean, that. Yeah. Um, Exactly. It's fundamental. And, you know, showing up when you say you will. Exactly. All of of those signals to a child are meaningful. Well, we appreciate the work that you guys are doing. And I know, you know, the parade of playhouses that's going on all the way through July the 30th. It's an opportunity for you to see and kind of recognize or be reminded of the great work that Dallas Casa does with all the different kids. Is there another uh, event that you guys do over the next few months that we should be aware of outside of the parade of playhouses, which is absolutely awesome. 28 years going strong. Absolutely. So on October 12th, we will have our champion of children dinner and award ceremony. Okay. Um, we're super excited about it. will be at the Fairmont and there are opportunities right now to become a sponsor of that event you can go on our website at dallascasa.org and look at the uh, sponsorship opportunities for that event. I think it uh, it's a great opportunity to you know bring friends, bring business colleagues, help them learn more about the mission, help them understand more about the needs of children and the impact they can have. And so we would we would love to extend that invitation to. Anyone who's interested in in coming to our Champion of Children dinner. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. And again, if you're just joining us and you missed what's going on with the Parade of Playhouses going on right now at North Park Center, Kathleen, can you talk about some of the things that are available? Like like you said, the Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks opening season opener tickets. Can you talk about some of those things that are available? Sure. So we have um, have 13 adorable playhouses besides the – those those special raffle items, the mm-hmm. North Park gift card and the and the uh, Mavericks prize package. Uh, but you know you can um, you can uh, take a chance to win the All American Cottage by LRO Residential, which is uh, uh, honestly I I call it the she shed. I'd like it <laughs> in my backyard. I mean, it is uh, it looks like a 
a little mansion. Um, <laughs> and if you're if you're into golf, then you'll definitely want to look at our presenting sponsor, Crest Auto, uh, has a house called Caddyshack where you can um, putt to your heart's content. Um, but the the one of those that's really catching a lot of attention is the movie theater. It actually has a projector in it and a screen. And so, uh, but it's well ventilated, so you can get out there on these uh, warm nights, and uh, they have these kind of miniature red leather recliners. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're just uh, <laughs> like I said, the the creators this year just um, really uh, outdid themselves. And uh, and and it, like I said, if you're a Beatles fan, you definitely want to uh, put your raffle tickets in the yellow submarine. It's an exact, it's put like this, it's an amazing way to get out of this heat. And you can also show your support with Dallas Casa. That's at the North Park Center and is going on through July the 30th. We're talking about the Parade of Playhouses. And again, Kathleen Lavelle, she is the CEO of Dallas Casa. It is a pleasure having you join us. What is the website again so people who can casually browse and find out more about Dallas Casa and, and what they might want to do if they wanted to get involved in. What's the location again? So it's dallascasa.org. And in addition to finding out how to become a volunteer advocate, uh, you can also actually purchase raffle tickets online as well as in person at North Park Center. Absolutely amazing. And so wonderful to have you again. You know, Kathleen, we've got to have you back on the show. We've got to make sure everybody's oh. aware. And by the way, let me say a shout out to uh, one of my bosses, Sent Marshall, the CEO of the Dallas Mavericks. She's all about Dallas Casa. I know she's a good friend of yours as well. Uh, she is our board chair, and and she really is extraordinary. We have we have no better ambassador for the importance of our work. Kathleen, again, it's been a pleasure. I want to thank you for joining us and thank all of you for joining us on Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. So long, everybody. Thank you. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.